Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming up on episode 209 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the new Hyundai Veloster N with its 8-speed DCT, the Mazda 6 on its way out the door, and the Toyota GR86 on its way in. Robbie gets a look at the Cadillac Lyric in person, has a brief spell with the Chevy Bolt EV before its battery before it goes back to get its battery replaced, and we've got the new Genesis GV60 EV, the Nissan Z, and a little ride in Ford's Blue Cruise. All coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to Patreon.com/slash/WheelbearingsMedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 209 of Wheelbearings. I'm Sam Abuel Samad of Guidehouse Insights. I'm Nicole Wakelin of Sports Car Market Magazine. And I am Roberto Baldwin from Engadget. Excellent. So, Nicole, why don't you go first? What did you drive this Ooh, week? What are, okay, so what I have in my driveway is <clears throat> the 2021 Mazda 6, uh, which is a really fun little sedan. So here's a funny thing. My husband w- has this weird anti-Mazda thing. I don't what? know why. He's like, yeah, I know, right? That's why? like, what? What's wrong with your husband? Well, I know. That's not like the first time. Like, so we sat down in a Mazda, I don't know, a couple years ago. He's like, oh, I hate Mazdas. I'm like, all you did was sit your butt in it. What is your problem? You've sat your butt down in the seat and you don't like it. What's wrong? He just had this like impression that they were these like boring cars and they're not really fun. Right. I know. If you could see the look <laughs> on Roberto's face. And I'm like, when did you last get in a Mazda? He's like, I don't know. I was like in college or something. I'm like. So is it some ancient beat up version of a Mazda that one of your friends was driving? He's like, maybe. I'm like, perhaps your image needs to be updated. So I still am on this quest to get him to like Mazdas. This one might have done it. He liked this oh, one. He, he, did it. he did sort of like a, okay, this isn't so bad. And I can't understand appreciate it. it. He appreciated least, it. Yes. He, okay. What he liked is six foot three husband is that he had plenty of room, even though this isn't a huge sedan and it looks very small from the outside, but inside there's actually a good bit more room. Like he sat down in the front seat, my daughter sat behind him and her knees weren't up to her chin. So that was a plus. I like it uh, because it looks beautiful. It is $37,290 as equipped the way I got it, which is the signature trim which has a 2.5 turbo with 227 horsepower 310 pound feet of torque front wheel drive so it's a good price and it looks good and it is fun to drive of course he doesn't get to drive it he just gets to ride in it because it's a press car and he has no permission but i enjoy driving it and today as we are recording this i am in new hampshire and we had hurricane i guess he's really only tropical storm tropical storm ari has arrived so we have torrential rains and horrible wind and i had to drive it about 45 minutes away 
it is terrible weather to drive a car. Like you can't see where you're going. There's like a sheen of water on the road. And again, this is front wheel drive. This isn't even like I have an all wheel drive version of this. It's like, okay, bring on the crummy weather. No, front wheel drive handled like a dream. Even with the wind, like I could feel the wind buffeting the car because we had some pretty decent gusts. Still, it stays really controlled. So I was genuinely impressed. There's not very many times where you get to test out a car in that kind of weather that the timing works out. I'm like, okay, we're going to take our my car up there. We're going to take the press car. We're going to see how it does. And it it did amazingly well. And it is incredibly comfortable and still was very quiet. Like I said, we had gusts that were up to 40 miles an hour, which is a pretty decent gust of wind to come smacking at you as you're driving down the highway at 65 miles an hour. And it was still quiet and with the rain. So it, it kept that sort of uh, passenger calm. It was calm and comfortable and relaxed despite the chaos outside with leaves and branches flying off the trees all around us. But Mazda, your car's still in one piece, so we're all good. Nothing hit the car. Um, so I was a fan. I liked it. And husband's, you know, he's warming up to Mazda, so I feel like that's a plus. Gradually moving him towards thinking that Mazdas are fun. What I need to do is get my hands on a Miata and get him permission to drive it and go, now tell me the Mazda's not exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Or even the Mazda 3, just the, I know, little, the three I know. wagon with the all-wheel drive. Just he, got, he got one at a yeah. rental car, like, because he, he travels and he has to occasionally rent a car. But he got, like, the the rental car special. I'm like, that is not the way to determine if you like a car. You've gotten the, yeah. the lowest trim that some other guy has thrashed. And so one of these days, I will get him to really, truly like Mazdas. But uh, I loved it. And I like Mazdas to begin with. I think they're fun. You know, they are driver's cars and they feel like driver's cars um, and they look good. I always think that they look super sexy. What I, This one was machine gray metallic. So it's just like this really dark gray with this great metallic tint to it. Um, but the reds that Mazda, nobody makes a red car like Mazda. Good Lord. Whatever that red is uh, right soul now. Soul Crystal Red. Yes. Is- Soul Crystal Red is absolutely the best color. Is it not the most beautiful? Like there is somebody in my neighborhood who has one, and I'm like, oh, there it is. And I just drive. I just like sort of, ah, it's like a little bright spot as I drive out of the neighborhood when they're parked in their driveway. (laughs) Because someone has to sell their soul. That's how. That's why they make the red that good. That's okay. It's like a deal with the devil at the Mazda facility. I can live with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine. I can, I'm fine I can that. deal with that. If someone has to sell their soul to get a car that pretty, okay, we're all going to see the devil later on. That's fine. <laughs> Big deal. Whatever. Devil went down to Mazda. Devil went down to Mazda. We can write a whole new song. There's our podcast title. Devil went down to Mazda. There, 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 there is one unfortunate aspect of the what? Mazda 6. As good what? as it is. Yes. Oh, 2021 yeah. will be the last model year. It's going away. I know, uh, which is there is sad. supposed to be a new one coming, probably maybe for maybe for next year for the 2023 model. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year, you know, when when the 21s when they run when the Mazda dealers run out of 21 models, models that's it that's for this it. generation. There's, there's, there's well, no, well, more, no coming. more coming. There is, there is another person thing, 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 and this is just a Mazda thing. thing, thing and this is the one thing, thing I can't get behind you. Exactly. What am I complaining about, Sam? What am I going to complain about? The infotainment system. Yes, does not have a the infotainment. Yeah. It does not have a touch screen. It doesn't have and, a touch screen. And I'll tell you yeah. what, you know, here's, okay, here's again, driving during the hurricane force winds, it was warning me, and I'm sure there's a setting somewhere where I can turn this off, but not while I'm, while I'm driving at 65 miles an hour with the storm, you know, around me. Um, it gives you the storm warnings. 
for every county. We apparently have 100,000 counties in southern New Hampshire, I now realize. It's like, <laughs> there's a hurricane force wind warning in Cheshire County, hurricane force wind warning in Coos County. Every single one is its own warning. And every single time it shows up, there's like a close or a details that you can get about each warning. You have to spin little knob and hit close, spin little knob and hit close, spin little knob and hit close. I can't, and then I did that for all of the tropical storm warnings, and apparently we got enough rain, there was flood warnings, so that I had to turn it and do the little thing for the flood warnings for every county. I was like, okay, I hate this infotainment system, so I'm still going to hate on that. Were those coming through the... Were those coming through the traffic alerts? I, I'm thinking like it was probably Sirius something XM about tra- maybe that it was Sirius XM. It could have been the traffic alerts. Like I said, I couldn't. Oh. <laughs> this literally pops up in the middle of driving. I'm like, I can't figure out what's making this pop up. I just know that if I want to see anything on that screen, I have to spin and click roughly 5,000 times. I could just tap, 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 which would have been really easy. Tap, 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 tap. No, spin, click, spin, click, spin, click to get rid of them all. So, I know you, are, okay. you don't care I, about touchscreens. I can, touch screens, I can sympathize but... with that. No, I mean, okay. no, I mean that's that is a very valid complaint. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and uh, while I'm not a fan of touchscreens, I can. That is definitely a scenario where it would be a lot easier. Uh, yes. I mean, granted, it's not, hopefully, hopefully it's hopefully. not a scenario that happens very often for most people. But you know but what I bet it, it would happen? Yeah. You know, I mean, bad weather happens, you know, well, that's whether thing, it's hurricanes our, or blizzards or whatever. That's what I say, because like hurricanes, okay, those don't happen every day. But during the winter, a huge swath of this country yeah. gets snow that's worth a, a weather warning every single day. So depending on where you are, you're going to get all these weather warnings and have to do that <laughs> to get rid of it. I'm like, oh. Or thunderstorms, thunderstorms in the, in the summer. summer. See, so that was, and I maybe I've never had a Mazda when there was really, truly bad weather. I'm like, oh, this is intolerable. But yeah. I, I had a BMW or an, I don't remember. I had, I had a German car in Germany <laughs> and every so often, like they have a traffic alert that'll come up and tell you, oh, there's traffic on this road that you're coming up to or whatever. But it, would always, it kept popping up and it would be in German because I'm driving a German car in a German <laughs> country. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. You think it was a traffic alert. You, you were about to be arrested for speeding. Who knows? Maybe. You couldn't read it. It was in German. <laughs> it could have been BMW being like, you got to bring our car back. You've had it for too long. <laughs> Sorry, BMW. Sorry, put it in English. I have no idea what you're yelling at me about. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. So that was the car uh, in my driveway. But I also drove another car the same week that I drove the fantabulous uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee or Grand Wagoneer. Um, Wagoneer. I had a... Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer. I had the uh, time to drive the 2022 Toyota GR86. You guys, this car is fun. It is I'm, so fun. What What were you going to say? I own a BRZ. I okay. own a 2014 BRZ. I understand that the, the, the issues with the vehicle, the, the, the fact that torque is like somewhere around... Five or six thousand RPM, you know the, the the stereo system is trash, and I have been watching every single video, reading every uh, review, and everyone is absolutely in love with these vehicles. And I'm just love. like, should I sell mine and then yes. wait a year and then buy it? What should I do? Okay, it, it was so so here. So I was on the second wave, I think, of this program, and when I talked to people who at dinner who had driven it the day before. A couple folks said to me they will have the new ones with an automatic or with a manual on the track that you can drive, but they also have the old one. Don't, as much as your heart is going to want you to go right for the new one, drive the old one first. Mm -hmm. Drive it around the track. And we had, I think we did like two or three laps the first time we went out. 
So you're like, okay, fine, whatever. You go out there, you do a couple laps, and you think to yourself, okay, this is fun in the old one. And that was the first one I got. And I'm like, this is fun. I love this. Fun car. I, I right, love this car. car. This is really cool. This is really fun. I, I don't understand why Why were people complaining. Like, you're kind of like, ah, there's not a lot. To, I mean, there's things to complain about. But yeah. it's not this awful car, right? Then you get out of that. You adjust your helmet. You get back into the new one. And I swear, I hadn't even gotten to where I can open it up, where I'm sort of like in the, don't you don't have to throttle back, you know, you can just open it up, hammer down. I hadn't even gotten that far, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is not the same car. Like, the difference, you can feel it. The acceleration, the handling, how planted it is, how much faster I could go. Like, I could feel myself pushing it harder immediately, but feeling that the car was more controlled. It was it was a joy. I drove that a lot. I drove it in circles around and around and around and around and around. And at the end of the day, I had that sweaty helmet head and I had to go exact directly to dinner with Jeep. And I was like, Hey, good to see I was on a track today. Sorry. I look like this. It was really fun. Um, I, I feel like they made so many improvements and you know, when Automakers say they make a lot of improvements to a car. Sometimes you feel them. Sometimes you think, I have no idea what you're talking about. You say you improve this. You say you improve that. Maybe on paper or to this super, you know, well-attuned engineer or sports car driver, they're going to look and say, yes, I can notice that there is a modicum mm-hmm. of difference in this vehicle. You don't have to be that person. This is markedly better in every way, and it is an absolute hoot to drive it. I loved it. I loved it. I'm so excited about this car so much because I love uh, my BRZ, um, and I like the fact that they took a fun car, and then they like, oh, there's some issues with this fun car, which, and we fixed those issues, but we didn't screw up the car. Correct. That's the because sometimes they fix the issues. We didn't break it. and they're like, oh, well, but we got rid of a manual transmission, or you know, we got rid of this sort of suspension to save some, you know, we had to save some money because we added a bigger engine, or yeah, the torque band is it's still the same because we still have the same engine, but we did this other thing. It's yes. yeah. Yeah, because sometimes they make it, you know, they make it better, and you're like, well, technically you fix those problems, but now it's no fun to drive, and I'm not enjoying yeah. it. Like you fit this one. There's, it, it is that sort of like car that you get into, and you uh, on the track, you have that moment where you literally think to yourself, oh yeehaw, this is fun. Like you want to cheer out loud. It is such a joy to drive this. Um, it looks good. I mean, the styling changes, even that. It's still the same, but it's not. Like it updates mm. it in a way that you don't lose the character of the old car. You just get the next iteration with improvements. Well, it's got kind of a it's got kind of a chunkier look to it. It does. It's sort of before. like this I mean, the, lower the old one was wider a more svelte. Yeah, it's kind of like haunch like it's down on its haunches. It but it looks fantastic. Yeah. Um the only thing that we don't know unless it's come out and I haven't seen I don't think it's going to come out for quite a while is pricing. They said that it will start I believe the word he said was comfortably under $30,000. So 26, 27, I think right. that's what that means. And <laughs> when people push like, okay, which, you know, there's two trims. Are they both going to be under 30000 And literally he gave exactly the same answer. It will start comfortably under 30000 So I have no idea how pricing is going to be. Hopefully the, hopefully it's not crazy. I mean, it'd be nice to think you could get the higher trim without breaking the bank. Yeah, um, yeah. But they don't. They say they don't release pricing till closer towards production because they're still negotiating things. Blah 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 blah. So we have no pricing. So what's what's on the higher trim? And when is production? Just offhand. 
the higher trim it adds, uh, let's see what kind of things it adds. It adds, um, instead of 17 inch wheels, it's got 18s. It has this funky little duckbill rear, rear spoiler. There's adaptive front lighting. Um, I think you get a better audio, slightly better audio system. Mm. Um, and you get some unique interior accents. There's like all these black and silver accent trims. Um, mm. is that really it? I'm trying to think if, if that's it. Yeah, it I don't care about any of that. It was mostly impaired. It was mostly appearance stuff, and okay. mostly appearance That's better wheels, and the spoiler. I mean, you can tell the difference. The little, the little duck bill spoiler on the back, the little you know Donald Duck thing going on there. It does look cute, but I don't. Not knowing if it's like, okay, am I paying an extra two grand for that stuff, or am I paying an extra five hundred? You know, fi- yeah. What is it without knowing 4, how much? They're, Who knows? Right. Without knowing how much they're charging you for that, it's hard to say. Like, would I do that? I might do it if it was reasonable. But if it suddenly made it exorbitantly expensive, or or, or crossed some number in my head that I felt was like, no, 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 then I might not because there's not these significant changes. I, I'm more interested in go as opposed to show when it comes to this vehicle. So then you're going to want yeah. the one that starts comfortably under thirty thousand. I'll start. Yeah. <laughs> And that, and that's probably the one with the manual transmission. Oh yeah, I'm yes. definitely yeah. It's, you can't. I don't. I mean, I guess you can get it with it. You you can get it with an automatic, but I I don't see why you. Well, yeah, I, I, I drove. I'm, you know, you could drive both, and I drove both. What? I you know the on a track, I kind of because I'm not an everyday track driver, and it's harder. It's it's harder if you're not used to driving a manual on a track to to make your shifts the right way. So yeah, yeah. I had fun driving the automatic, but you get. I mean, the control you get with a manual, come on. Like, if you really want a sporty little car, you want a manual transmission. Yeah. Um, I would absolutely get it with a manual. Yeah. Uh, no no, no judgment for those who get an automatic transmission. It's totally fine. I'm not, no, gonna not, be that. I'm not that one. guy. I'm not that guy who's going to, like, make funny for driving a, a, an automatic. I, for me, though, I am, I am yeah. <laughs> I think it's I, I really I hate it when people bash on people because they don't want to drive the automatic. You know what? If that's what you want, it's your car. Make drive what makes you happy as long as you enjoy it. You know, maybe somebody else loves the manual and that's fine. I just you know, the fact that there's even like, yay, they're offering one, you know, because yeah. it's fewer and fewer cars. The fact that they offer it and I know it's exactly the kind of car that you would think they would offer it with, but they I mean, didn't the, have to, you know. The, the two series just lost its manual transmission, so and that's the exact kind of car that we that, that, that you would you think would, think would have, would it, have right. it, right? But, so they know. don't, you know. So the fact that they still put that on there, I give them a gold star, and that way people, and I do think because fewer and fewer people know how to drive one, it does make sense. I mean, you have to have an automatic because you know there's far too yeah. many people that either prefer it because they just don't like the manual transmission or simply don't even know how to drive a manual. So it's like, well, they, yeah. they might love your car, but they're never going to drive it because they're not going to learn to drive a stick now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. My my do- my older daughter. Um, actually just bought uh, a, two, a 2017 86 uh, earlier this spring and she got one with an automatic. She knows how to drive a manual. Yeah. She used to actually used to work for drive shop delivering cars and you know so she spent quite a bit of time behind the wheel of 86s with the manual transmission. Yeah. And you know she decided that yeah, you know, because this this is her daily driver car. She decided she wanted one with an automatic and and she she loves it. You know, so you know, not not going to yeah. complain because it's the best. it really is one of my favorite cars ever and not just because i own the car but i will drive like all these fancy expensive you know supercars whatever and then i'll get into that brz and you know it doesn't have the power it doesn't have the power of any of those vehicles you know it's it's 
But I, you, just the sitting position is just so wonderful in that car. I, when I was reviewing the uh, the uh, Huracan, I almost mentioned how it was like sitting in my BRZ. And I'm like, you know what? People are just going to yell at me. They're going to think you're <laughs> insane. I, they're going to think I'm insane. Because the sitting position, it was just like, oh, yeah, this is, this is, this is how you should sit when you're driving a sports car. Well, you know, um, there's, this, there's this funny sort of misconception that just because – a fancy sports car like a Lamborghini or Ferrari or whatever is a Lamborghini or a Ferrari, that it is therefore going to be better in every way, shape, and form than something that's not. And there are plenty of sports cars and alternatives to some of these really expensive, like, oh my God, wish I could drive it cars that are really, really good. Like, yeah, sure. If you can drive a Lamborghini, if you can afford one, have at it. But it's not like your life is over if you can't, because there's really good cars that do many of the same things and in some ways are more drivable. Yeah. And you can buy it. Yeah. You can actually afford it. And you it. can afford that without having to for yeah to have your house foreclosed on. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't have to be a billionaire to uh, you know a Silicon Valley billionaire to afford one. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So speaking of affordable sports cars, yes. um, I actually have one in the driveway right now as well. <clears throat> I mean, some people would maybe quibble with the the sports car name, but I, I think in every way that counts. You know, this this thing is a sports car, and that's the um, Hyundai Veloster N. Uh, and as you were saying, Robbie, you know, about manuals versus automatics, um, I actually drove the Veloster N for the first time a couple of years ago when it first came out with the six-speed manual and really enjoyed it. I actually drove it, took it on a road trip to Pittsburgh, um, and it was great. But this one, uh, for, for 2021, they uh, updated it. They added uh, a new eight-speed uh, wet dual-clutch DCT, a dual dual-clutch transmission uh, option, and it's <laughs> this is actually probably one of the best automatics I've ever driven. Wow! Um, especially when you put it in N mode. So on the steering wheel of the the Veloster N, uh, there's a couple of buttons. You know. One is for the um, the drive mode on the left hand side, and the other one is for engages end mode, um, which basically you know dials back the stability control, changes the um, uh, the throttle mapping and the uh, the the shift pattern the shift uh, patterns, and also makes the exhaust louder. So it's actually got to you know got that you know fun sounding you know burp because it's a, tur- a two liter turbocharged four-cylinder 275 horsepower so you know it, it it's got that you know kind of blat sound you know when you back off the throttle um and it, it sounds a lot of fun and it's so much fun to drive in end mode this thing this this eight-speed dual clutch feels like it, it feels exactly the way that if you were driving a manual transmission you know and you're a good driver and knew what you're doing it it behaves exactly the way you would want to do it yourself, except it's doing it automatically. You know, as you're as when you lift off and you're you're coasting down, or you get on the brakes. You know, as you're coming into a corner, it's downshifting. You know, it's blipping the throttle as it downshifts. You know, it's doing all the things that you would do. You know, if you're heel and towing, getting picking just the right gear as you go through the corner. Um, it, you know, it is so much fun to drive. And then, you know, if you want to take over, you know, manual control, it's got aluminum paddles, shift paddles on the back of the steering wheel. Um, so you can shift up or down and, it, and it's very responsive. You know, it's a, as a, as a DCT uh, always is, you know, they're, they're very quick to shift um, probably quicker than most humans can shift a manual transmission. Uh, it, you know, it's got, 
plenty of power uh, with 275, and it's got an overboost mode, you know, so it can do short bursts up to like 286 horsepower. Uh, the seats in the Veloster N um, don't have a lot of adjustability. It's basically fore aft, um, the uh, seat back recline, and uh, height adjustment, and that's it. But it fits me perfectly. Uh, you know, it's got uh, heavier bolsters, you know, bigger bolsters on there, so it keeps you in place um, when you're when you're driving, you know, when you're going through corners. Um, it, you know, it's the whole car is very responsive. It feels relatively light. Uh, there's there's only one real dynamic flaw that I encountered with this car. In, in a straight line, when you stand on the accelerator, it's fine. It goes goes straight ahead, no torque steer at all. But if you get on the on the gas uh, a little bit too hard as you're just as you hit an apex and you're coming out, you will feel some tug in the steering wheel if the wheels are turned. If they're straight ahead, they're fine. But if you're if their wheels are turned, you will feel some tugging in the wheels as you accelerate hard out of a corner. And that's one thing. You know, some of the some of the better front wheel drive, um, you know, high performance cars like the Honda Civic Type R don't do that. Um, so, you know, this one, the front suspension is clearly not quite as sophisticated in its setup. I don't think it's using a dual axis, uh, uh, steering setup, uh, steering geometry, the way the, uh, the type R does. Um, but aside from that, you know, once you, once you figure out what it's going to do, you know, then you, you learn to, to modulate a little bit, you know, get a little bit further out of the corner past the apex before you get on the gas and it's fine. And even, even when it does give you a tug, you know, it's not like throwing you off into the ditch or anything like that. It's, it's still very easily controllable. Uh, you know, unlike most sports coupes, you know, we'll call it that, um, you know, this, this, this car has a unique format. If you've never seen the Veloster, you know, it's, it's sort of a camback design, you know, uh, almost like a little mini shooting brake kind of car. And it's a three door. Um, and you know, compared to the GR86, which nominally has a back seat, um, <laughs> but I mean, it has otherwise completely useless. Technically speaking, it has well, a yeah, back seat. It, it, Technically. It, it has a back seat. It has two seat belts back there, but I don't think you can actually put human beings back there. You might be able to put a dog the size of my corgi in there, but that's about I it. I think I've, your dog I've would probably not be happy with there. you. <laughs> I've put the big no. dog back there. I put Bowie, the the big German Shepherd, back there. But then Nico, the little German Shepherd mix, she's just tiny. She sat in the front seat because she's like, oh, there's no room back here for me. And she, <laughs> Bowie was not happy back there because it has that little – because, you know, you have the – you have the uh, the the drive shaft. You have the tunnel there, and he's just like, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the you know uh, obviously the uh, the Veloster, unlike the GR86, is front wheel drive, um, but be- it's a three door. It actually has an extra door on the passenger side of the car. Why they didn't just add one on the the driver's side as well, I don't. I've never really quite figured out, especially because they actually do have a left side body stamping that support that has a door on that side for right hand drive markets. Um, but you know, and at any rate, um, the three door, you know, that that extra door on the dry, on the passenger side makes it easy enough to get back there. You know, I mean, it's not you know for for myself, I'm five eleven. Um, you know, it's not hugely roomy, but I can sit back there. I, you know, I wouldn't want to take a long road trip sitting back there. <laughs> But it's 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 <laughs> adequate. 
uh, you know, for going across town, going out to dinner or whatever, you know, take a couple of friends along with you. It's, it's fine. Um, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to be squeezed in there. I mean, you might be Robbie cause you're, you're several inches taller than I am or, you know, Nicole's your husband, yes. but, uh, you know, for up, up to about, up to about six feet tall, you can, you can fit back there without too much difficulty. Daisy had no issue at all back there. I put in a, I always, I have a seat cover that I always throw in there when I take her in a car and, you know, put that on there. Um, and we, we took it to go to the lake yesterday and I put my inflatable paddleboard and, uh, towels and other stuff in the back. There's, you know, decent sized cargo area in the back of this thing under, under the hatch. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a fairly practical car, but it's, it's a hoot to drive. Like I say, and just, you know, as soon as you get in, you know, as soon as you start the car, just put it in end mode every time and, and you will really enjoy yourself in this car, uh, even even with an automatic transmission. Um, I, In fact, I think if I was buying this as a daily driver, even though I have never in my entire life, you know, I'm 55 years old, I have never owned a car as my personal primary vehicle with an automatic transmission. Um, it's always been manuals. I might be inclined to go with this DCT because it's so good. Oh, wow. That's praise right there. That uh, sure is. You know, I mean, the, the, I, I like manuals. You know, the, the six-speed, you know, and this one is fine. Uh, it's not the, the slickest shifting six-speed, but it's fine. Uh, but, you know, the, the way this one behaves, the way this eight-speed behaves is really good. And um, I, I highly recommend it. Uh, in, um, let's see, uh, the... This one uh, came with no options aside from the eight-speed, uh, so it's based, it's just standard uh, Veloster N. Uh, sticker price is thirty-four seven fifty-five, uh, including thousand and five dollar delivery charge. Why they didn't just make it a thousand dollars? Don't know, <laughs> but you, or ninety-nine ninety-five, but it's a thousand and five dollars. Um, it's, uh, race, it's racing red with a black, uh, black on black interior. Um, and the, uh, one of the interesting little details, it's got the little N, a uh, light up N logo in the front seat backs, uh, right around oh, your, cute. behind, right behind your neck. Uh, so when you unlock the car, um, you know, if it's, if it's darker out, you'll see that little N logo, um, light up in the seat. Uh, and then of course, you know, it's it's got you know some of the trim in the signature color for Hyundai's N subbrand, which is this pale blue color. So the seat belts and um, various other little bits of trim around the interior, like the buttons on the steering wheel, are in this same shade of hey. pale blue. Hey, enough. Uh, which doesn't really strike enough. you as the the color for a performance brand, but hey, it works. You know, whatever. I'm I'm good with it. I'm not picky. Uh, at least not about that sort of thing. And uh, I, I've really enjoyed this thing. Uh, it comes standard with an eight-inch eight uh, touchscreen. Uh, and, you know, as a modern uh, car from the, um, the Hyundai Motor Group, it does include the Sounds of Nature in there, which uh, my wife found very, very, very amusing yesterday on the way out to the lake, especially when I, when I hit, you know, crunching through the snow, you know, walking through the, walking through the snow. Uh, she thought cafe. that was uh, cafe is the one. I like the cafe mode, so it feels like I have yeah, a well, she, she people liked, she liked the cafe. Yeah. Yeah. She, you know, she thought that, you know, if, if you're commuting home from work, you know, something like the, the cafe mode would be very relaxing, you know. Uh, I don't know that, I don't know that I would necessarily have felt that way when I had, still had a commute, but hey, whatever, you know, <laughs> you don't have to use it. If you like it, good for you. Um, uh, so, uh, 
Hyundai Veloster N, awesome little sports car. Um, and, uh, you know, it's an interest, interesting alternative to, uh, you know, uh, VW GTI or um, the, uh, uh, the GR86 or... Uh, you know what? Few there's not not very many choices <laughs> Something left else. in this kind of segment anymore. <laughs> Mazda three. Yeah. I mean, there, there's just there, there. Yeah, there's 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 fewer and fewer choices of of vehicles like this anymore in the U.S. market or really in any market. So yeah. if if you're looking for something that's a lot of fun to drive, you know, definitely go take a look at one at the Veloster N. All right, Roberto, uh, what did you have this week? So I, uh, I I didn't actually get to drive it, but I got to go to st- and stare at it and sit in it while they put a towel down, so I wouldn't oh. mess it up. But I uh, the uh, the lyric, the new um, the Cadillac, the I believe it's 2023. Hold on, let me pull up my notes. Oh no, oh, no uh, the 2023 ready. lyric. I went and saw that in uh, L.A. this week, this past week, and it looks nice. It's uh, it's a nice looking Cadillac. Um, it's their electric, their first electric. It's going to be based on the Ultium, uh, platform, uh, 100 kilowatt, uh, uh, kilowatt hour capacity battery pack. Uh, they're targeting over 300 miles of range, which is if you're, I think if you're, if you're getting an electric car, you sort of want that, that extra range because you're, you know, you're paying for luxury prices. You want a luxury car, you want, you know. You want to feel pampered, and when pampered also means like not pulling over as much for, for um, for charging. Uh, it has uh, it, it it will charge at a uh, 190 kilowatts at a supported uh, DC fast charger, which is nice. Uh, Cadillac says you can add about 76 miles in about 10 minutes, so if you're you know throw in double that and you get about 150 miles in 20 minutes. Um, initially, it's going to be rear wheel drive only. That's the only, uh, but then they're going to have a four-wheel drive version or all-wheel drive version coming out uh, later on. Um, the first one will be 340 horsepower, 325 pound-feet of torque. Um, so, you know, that should be more than enough for the average person. And it has, um, you know, Mercedes has their hyper screen, their gigantic screen that just fills up everything. And it's really a piece of glass. It's the gigantic piece of glass, and then there's three different displays. Uh, Cadillac has uh, their large 33-inch curved display, which is actually one – it's one display with three different segments in it. Um, the segment on the left is has touch controls. Uh, then you have the uh, dash cluster, and then the right you have the infotainment screen. Um, they all are – they all sort of can power on and off on their own, but they're all the same display. They're, they're very excited about that. Uh, I don't think the average person cares if it's three, if it's one display or three displays. I think what they're really going to like is the fact that it starts at sixty thousand dollars, which for a luxury um, electric SUV from Cadillac is a pretty. That's a they're utter a they're, good price. That yeah. is a good price, and I and I told them like you guys are sort of undercutting everyone else, and they're like, well, you know, they you know they don't want to talk about how they they're trying to undercut everybody else, but uh, but yeah, sixty thousand dollars. Um, if you're a fan of Cadillacs, if you're you want an EV, um, you want an SUV, which is pretty much everyone. Uh, it's it's kind of almost a no-brainer. Now I didn't get to drive it; I only got to stare at it and sit in it. So I don't know how it drives. Maybe it drives great. Maybe it drives horrible. I don't know. Um, so we'll have to wait until 
till that happens uh, probably at the beginning of next year, maybe the end of this year. But you thought it looked pretty and it was comfy under your butt, even with the towel there. Yes. Yes. It was comfy under the butt, even with the towel there. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's, they, they did a good job sort of bringing all the Cadillac, uh, you know, fanciness to an EV at a price point that is very compelling um, for people who are looking for a luxury brand uh, vehicle that is also an EV. Um, it'll be interesting to see how well, for, well it sells. For comparison... Yeah, I'm for, sorry, go. for comparison, the BMW iX, which has a similar 300 mile range, um, and you know 200 kilowatt charging, it's a similar size to the Lyric, starts in the mid eighty thousand dollar range. Wow, so you're that's talking a big difference. You know, yeah, upwards yeah, of you know, twenty thousand, twenty plus thousand dollar price difference. You know, twenty five thousand dollar price difference. You could buy and a Lyric and a Mini SE. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know. You you could you could make the case that you know the the Lyric is um, somewhat more attractive than the BMW. Yes, uh, yes, you I, can. I, not, some exterior? people might disagree. Uh, yeah. but yeah, but the, um, the large you know, Lyric, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, at least it doesn't have that crazy grill. Um, you know, the, and the Lyric does have that cool lighting pattern you know when you when you walk up to it you know the way the way it wakes up you know the 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 lights in the the fascia um i think is is kind of neat looking um so you know i i saw the lyric last year when they did um the 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 show car which basically was almost identical to the production vehicle uh last year at gm's ev day in at uh the tech center Mm -hmm. uh here in detroit um and you know the that interior was really impressive then as well. Um, obviously, we didn't get to drive that one either. But um, you know, what what did you think of the design in person? You know, having having seen the I I before? actually like the design in person. You know, you're always it's it's tough when you have that super sloping uh, rear rear end where sometimes it looks good and sometimes it just looks kind of awkward. I think they've. They've erred on the side of good. It doesn't look great. It's not perfect. It's um, but it's not awkward. It's I think it's 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 it is. Um, I think the addition of the vertical lights back there uh, sort of make it look nicer. Um, and it and you know I, I think I talked about it in the video I did for Engadget where it sort of harkens back to the Cadillac fins. You know they have these nice vertical oh, cool. red lights in the back and um, in the front. You know th- this is the first time they've been able to have vertical uh, headlights. So the headlights are vertical, they're, you know. So it's you know they've done a lot of like cool sort of designy stuff. They have the the uh, a, a crystal or diamond, I forget what they call it, but the the front end um, looks nicer than the BMW, um, which eh, you know that's yeah. <laughs> but it look yeah. So the front end looks nicer. It, it's, a, it's a low uh, bar, but yeah, yeah, and it's it's it is uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of the nicest way to say uh, the front end of the BMW is still very uh, polarizing, and most people are still like, "Really? You're just going to get make that thing bigger and bigger, aren't you?" Um, and BMW is just sticking with their by their guns with that. They're like, "Yeah, this is what we're doing." <laughs> <laughs> you can also get oh, and also you can get Super Cruise on the uh, the the Lyric, which is you know Cadillac's hands-free uh, or GM's hands-free uh, driver assistance system, which is 
possibly the best system on the market right now. So you can put your hands in your lap and stare at the world, which is nice. <laughs> they, they also have uh, uh, a new infotainment system based on Android Automotive. That's yeah. Got, uh, Google Maps and Google Assistant built in there. Yeah, all that sort of popped up, but I wasn't That's, allowed to use it. It wasn't quite ready yet. So I, I can't tell you how great it works or how bad it works. Um, again, like driving, um, I wasn't allowed to push buttons. I could I could point at things, but I can't tell you if it has any latency. I can't tell you you know if it if if Google Maps is like the integrations as good as what we what we've seen on the Polestar um, or in the um, the XC40. But uh, yeah, no, I think they, I think it looks like they have a winner. I mean, if it drives well, it doesn't even have to drive great. If it drives well, <laughs> <laughs> if, it drives, okay. if it drives really good, if the infotainment system isn't a, a laggy mess, I, I think people are going to, to. I think I think Cadillac was, I think they're gonna they're gonna have trouble keeping this thing in the in, in showrooms for, um, because I think more and more people are are are, are realizing just how much better an EV powertrain is for a luxury vehicle because it reduces that vibration. It reduces that sound. It reduces all these things that we just sort of, even in the best, you know, even in the best S class, you still have, you know, you can still, you know, they, they do a, a ton of stuff to get rid of the sound. We can still sort of hear and you can still sort of feel the vibration. And then you get in the EQS and you're like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> this is what this is about. And I think, um, if Cadillac can, can do that with their 60, $60,000 lyric, um, the yeah, price is incredible. That's a the price really is crazy. Price. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's pretty, it's pretty impressive what they're doing. And if that's what they can do with the lyric, um, you know, I, I, I can see GM overall, like making some really great, uh, <laughs> potentially inexpensive cars on that Ultium platform. Yeah, it's it's going to be a very interesting segment to watch. You know, in the next year and a half, two years, there's going to be a lot of competition in that premium electric uh, crossover SUV segment. You know, you've got the Lyric, the the BMW iX. Um, I actually just had uh, um, I went to a Ford thing the other day in conjunction with the Woodward Dream Cruise and had lunch with Darren Palmer, who's their uh, GM general manager of uh, electric vehicles. And he was talking about what's coming next after the F-150 Lightning, which they had previously alluded to, um, you know, uh, an electric Explorer. So there's going to be an electric three-row crossovers for Ford and for Lincoln, you know, in the, the same same segment as the Explorer and the Lincoln Aviator. So there's going to be a Lincoln Aviator that's going up against this, and a whole, you know, the Rivian R1S, of course, and uh, and and all. Who knows what else is coming? Um, I don't know when Mercedes is going to launch their um, their electric version of the uh, the GLC. Um, is that coming next year? I think. I Did they say? think so. That sounds right. I'm going to say sure. sure. Okay. I'm going to yeah, say sure. Look, yes. <laughs> I'm going to go sure. Well, it'll and it'll be coming sooner rather than later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, and of course, you know, the Volvo XC90 replacement as well, which is also going to be electric. So there's going to be a lot of interesting competitors in this in this market. You know, they're I think they're going to be trying some different things with that. And we'll see how we'll see how it, uh, how it plays out. So that wasn't the only EV that you had some contact with, you know, however so, brief this week. right? <laughs> so I also had um, um, I had them bring me uh a Chevy Bolt, the brand new Bolt, 
because I had driven the old one like 60 times, I feel like, at the, by the time it had, it had come out. Like, I'd driven like 15 pre-productions. I drove it went like three times after it was out. So I was like, well, let's try the new one. I know it's essentially the same vehicle. And so I got it on Thursday. I was supposed to get it on Friday. And they were like, hey, can we bring it a day early? And I was like, yeah, sure. Bring it on in. I'm not going anywhere. I got it on... <laughs> I got it on Thursday. Um, I got to. I drove it uh, to the to the supermarket to pick up some stuff, <laughs> and then Friday I had to work. And then after I finished work, my plan was to go drive it around Friday night, get it charged Aww. up, and then do some like you know some some doing do a video. I was I was sort of planning out like what I was gonna what I was gonna do on video with this thing. Um, and then Friday afternoon, uh, <laughs> around 2 p.m., 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m., I got an email from GM saying, hey, I don't know if you know this, but we just released uh, recall information. We're going to come. We're going to send the uh, the fleet manager is going to contact you and come get your car. So we'd like our car back. Thanks. We would like <laughs> our car back. Uh, don't, uh, put it in your garage. Don't, you know, all the things that GM had announced to the owners of the, um, of the, uh, the Chevy Bolt, uh, they were telling me and I said, okay, I won't do that. (laughs) And so it just sat in my, uh, my, my, my driveway until they, they picked it up like a, a, just a little bit later. Um, and then that was, that was the end of, of So my... that's your review of your 30-second grocery store run in the Chevy Bolt. <laughs> yeah, so I, I didn't get a – it wasn't, yeah, the fun, um, the fun uh, excitement or exciting uh, 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 time that I, of, of my life that I was going to have with the Chevy Bolt, like Aww. testing out like different things. Um, which, you know, I, I, I understand why uh, even though – uh, we'll we'll talk about this some more, but yeah, it was it was interesting. This is the first time I've ever had a car um, for about 24 hours, and I've been told, "Oh, we're picking that up because of the of, of a recall." So, yeah, don't 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 charge it over 90 percent. Don't put it in your garage. Don't you know all the again all the things they were sort of telling everybody who owned a Chevy Bolt at the time when they decided we're just going to recall every Bolt ever made forever and. We'll see you all at the dealership. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually was scheduled to have a Hyundai Kona EV last December. And the day before it was supposed to be delivered, Hyundai announced a stop sale and recall for the Kona EV for oh, exactly the same reason. Um, mm-hmm. And so that one never even got to me. The day before it was supposed to <laughs> arrive, <laughs> I got a call from Drive Shop saying, "Oh, yeah, we're not Sorry. going to be able to bring you the uh, the Kona, uh, but we'll bring you know, we'll bring you this something else instead." Um, and so the the issue here, and this is actually I think like the third, maybe fourth recall on the Bolt over the last six or eight months uh, related to this battery issue, because they've been trying to find the root cause of it. Um, and for those not familiar, basically there have been some fires with uh, <laughs> bolts, with Chevy bolts, um, when they're when they're charging. Um, 
and uh, battery fires. Um, and we've talked, I think we've talked a little bit about mm-hmm. battery fires before, but the, the fundamental problem when, when a battery decides it's going to have a thermal runaway uh, scenario, event, um, it's really hard to extinguish. It doesn't happen very often. But when it does happen, it's really hard to put out those fires because, you know, most fires, you know, fire, to have a fire, you've got to have fuel, you got to have oxygen and an ignition source. And if you take away any of those three, you, you won't have fire. So, you know, most of the time with a fire, if you smother it, you know, because it's, it's usually getting the oxygen from the atmosphere that we breathe. That's if you end. cover it up and prevent it from getting oxygen, the fire goes out. You know, you have a grease fire on your stove, you stick a lid on the top of the pan, the fire is going to go out. Um, you know, you, you pour water on it. Well, you don't want to do, you don't want to pour water on a grease fire. Please don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. <laughs> you know, if you have that's a, a bad, that's a bad scene. If you're having a bad analogy. If you're having a bonfire outside, if you got a fire pit in the backyard, you know, you pour water on it, you know, or campfire, pour water on it, it's going to go out cuz it, it starves the fire of oxygen. The problem with batteries is they have oxygen in the materials that make up the battery, like the electrolyte and, and the, the uh, cathode coating. And when it heats up, it releases that oxygen. So even when you starve it of oxygen from the atmosphere and you smother it, it's still going to generate its own oxygen and keep burning for potentially for hours on end in the case of car batteries because they're so large. What, and what usually causes a battery fire is a short circuit in the battery. This happens when the cathode and the anode, the positive and negative electrodes, um, or actually negative and positive electrodes, um, come in con- physical contact. You don't ever want those two touching each other. If they do, you get a short circuit, you get lots of heat, and then bad things happen. Fire, fire, um, fire. In, in the case of what happened with the bolt, and I suspect it was the, the root cause was the same thing in the, the Hyundais because they were using... Um, Cells, uh, lithium-ion cells from LG Chem, from the same supplier as GM, produced most likely in the same plant because they all came. They're all sourced in Korea, um, and what they for the first time in this release on that came out on Friday came out on Friday at like 4:30 in the afternoon on a Friday afternoon, you know, half an hour after the financial markets closed, you know, which is where <laughs> companies traditionally try to bury their bad news. Bury the bad and, stuff. You know, yeah, five o'clock on. Five o'clock on Friday, I get a re- call from a reporter at the Detroit News wanting a comment on this. Huh? I, I, you know, I had already <laughs> walked away from my computer and I was doing making dinner on the grill, um, and so I went back and read the release. This is the first time they've actually said anything specific about what was causing it, and it turns out that um, apparently they, they had a manufacturing issue where the what's known as the separator was getting folded and the tabs were getting torn. And so basically a, a, a lithium ion cell or actually any battery cell consists of three, three layers. You got your cathode, your anode, and there's a plastic separator uh, in between that's porous. And that's, that allows the lithium ions to pass back and forth between the cathode and the anode without the two electrodes touching each other. Well, if that, separator gets folded somewhere along the line where when they're manufacturing it you might leave a space where the the cathode and anode can touch each other again that's bad um bad and also scene. with the the 
Yeah, the the tab if the tab is torn if the tabs get torn the tabs are the terminals that stick out of these pouch cells that they use to connect them all together. If that gets torn, you can have something again that's touching the wrong place or it's causing too much resistance, heat, bad, bad for bad for batteries. <laughs> so, G- GM is recalling. Uh, originally, when they the first couple of recalls were only covered the 2017 to 2019 models, which had the smaller 60 kilowatt hour lithium uh, pack. Um, from the 2020 and 21 and 22 models have a slightly larger 65 kilowatt hour pack. Those weren't covered in the original recalls. The new ones cover all of them because they found that the problem is actually still happening. And so they're going to bring back all these cars, replace all of the battery modules. So everybody that's got one is basically going to get a brand new battery. So any degradation in performance you might have had from your battery... You're gonna get a full reset. It's oh, gonna go right back to, to day one. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah. Like that's, bank error uh, in mean, your favor. <laughs> yeah, it's a pain in the ass because yeah. you can't park your car in your garage, or you're not. At least you're not supposed to, and you can't charge it above ninety, which you probably aren't doing regularly anyway. If you want to keep your battery from, you know, degrading uh, quicker. Um, but at the end of the day, if you have a you know an old bolt, you're like, hey, I get to start over. It's like a reset button, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Yeah. Unless you're and the people who made just, the battery, and now you're buying new batteries. Oh from yeah, unless you're LG. Well, can. Yeah, so L, this is this is going to cost LG about 1.8 billion dollars for this recall. It's a bad recall. bad day for um, LG. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not a good day for them. Um, but just to provide a little context for this, you know, yes, it's bad when your battery catches fire, but so far <laughs> there have been, I believe, seven seven instances of this across. 120 plus thousand bolts, um, which, you know, that works out to about, uh, where, where I calculated it earlier, about 0.006% of all bolts have had a battery fire. For comparison, I looked up some stats on car fires with non-electric cars. And in 2018, there were 212,000 vehicle fires in the wow. United States which out of a fleet of 290 million vehicles amounts to 0.07%, which is about 10 times the frequency of these bolt battery fires. So yes, it's not good when your battery catches fire. But on the other hand, gasoline cars catch fire at a much, much higher rate than electric vehicles. So, you know, if you have a bolt, park it outside, but don't, don't be overly concerned about dangers of electric vehicles, you know. Fires are going to happen from time to time, you know. It's it's life, but I feel like it's um, like it's you're, a real you're it's actually, a real issue. But it's not like oh dear God, panic! Your car is going to burst into flames tomorrow. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah, it's not spontaneous. Com- right, well, it it's good, kind of. but probably not. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of spontaneous, but it's not like you I'm don't like, have yeah, any is, warning. Yeah, if, if if your battery is about to catch fire, you will see some smoke and you probably smell something. You're just going to wake and up you and see, smoke, see four little tires just, sitting on the ground just, melted into just, a puddle just, where your car used yeah, to be. I mean, like what happened? last night (laughs) if you're if you're in the car get out of the car if you smell smoke (laughs) you know and you know please get away from it as far as you can and call 911 and and you should be fine yeah yeah your car maybe not i remember when hyundai put their uh when they had their recall they were like we're not 100 percent sure why but we're recalling them anyway. We've been working with LG Chem, trying to figure out why these are. But we're not like the, it was essentially like we're not a hundred percent sure why. And I think GM probably pushed a little bit harder, and, and now they're like, okay, here's the deal: LG Chem messed up. 
Uh, so we're recalling everything. If you have a Hyundai Electric or a Kona Electric, I'm, I'm, they're probably going to be. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if they extend extend that uh, that recall as well. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, they, well, they already did the recall on those and replaced all the batteries on the Konas. So even though they weren't sure what the root cause was, you know, they they already did the battery replacement, so they should be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, GM see? just took a little longer to. To do the, re- the do the replacement part of it. <clears throat> I'm sure they're probably like, "What if we All do right. this?" No, sorry. <laughs> so, continuing on the theme of uh, new electric cars, um, this week, this past week was supposed to be the New York Auto Show, and well, uh, so no auto were, show. There were actually a yeah, the the auto show was canceled <laughs> uh, thanks to Delta. Um, not not the airline, but yeah. Yeah, I like the, Delta the Airlines. Let's be clear, Delta Airlines, yay! Delta variant, yes. boom. No, okay. exactly. Yeah, I'm <laughs> big fan, big fan of Delta Airlines. Um, but uh, yeah, not not the virus. So um, <laughs> the the show was canceled, but and one of the vehicles that was supposed to be unveiled at the show was from Genesis, uh, their first EV, uh, the GV60. What did you two think of the GV60? Say it. Say it. I like it, and I think it looks like Pikachu. Pika Pika. Pika Pika. <laughs> Pikachu. Um, you know, it's the color. Like, we color were talking really, about this. But it has, like, a little happy face. It has, it, like, yeah, the color doesn't help, but it has a happy face. Everything about the exterior, from what they've shown off, it did have been blue. I'd probably be like, oh, okay. But it's this bright, like, almost greenish-yellow. It's, it's, it's a Pokemon. It's the Pokemon car. I don't know um, why they picked this color. This color doesn't. It's, I mean, it doesn't exude like like a a, a luxury vehicle. It like says you, cute little affordable crossover yes. that you buy right out of college. Not here's your luxury EV. It's From the color. Genesis. The color slays me. I mean, get the color, sure, have fun colors. But somehow, looking at these images, it really does just. It looks like a Hyundai. It looks like it should just be a really cheap crossover. The color, the Pikachu color, is not working for me. Pika Pika. Pika Pika. Not, not on a Genesis. Not on a Genesis. Not it's on a great Genesis. color. It's yeah. fine on a Hyundai. It's fine on a Kia. It's fine on a, on a lot of other cars. It's not fine on your luxury yeah. EV. It, it makes it too cutesy. I, it does make it cutesy. And then the interior I, I, looks know, nicer. I, I, am an, I don't, yeah. yeah. I, I am an advocate for more bold colors um, you know, on cars. We absolutely need you know, more in-your-face colors. <clears throat> I'm, uh, but I agree with you. I, I, I'm not sure that this particular shade of slightly greenish yellow works for the Genesis <laughs> brand for what they're yellow. trying to achieve. <laughs> and then yeah, you look inside. With, a, with a, a, tint, a green tint to it. Yeah. yeah. And then you look inside and you're like, oh, this, yeah. so this looks like a Genesis has a nice, you know, it's got a nice interior. It's got right. blue. It's got all this stuff. But you can still see the yellowish on the, on the outside through the little side uh, displays for instead of side mirrors this vehicle has well not for our we won't get it but in other places they'll have have little displays um so you're like oh this is nice but if if someone showed you this and you're like oh that's kind of cool and then they showed you oh by the way that's inside of this this yellow (laughs) they're like what does not work it's like they don't work together like you look at truly you look at the interior like oh that's very genesis that's beautiful it looks very upscale looks very streamlined very modern it's like i can get behind this that looks really cool ah what's on the outside like it's just and you know i i want it like we need to mock this up just in like 
silver or something boring and plain just to see if it still has the same sort of cutesy not working appeal. is it i think it's the color i think it's all the color in these press images they released like genesis give me another color of this car please just so i can see if it's the color that's slaying me yeah it, it i want a nice uh like a nice burgundy red yeah, or something that like that would I work. Think that would work really well but I do like the blue in the interior on this one. Oh, yeah, the interior. And really nice. uh, I'm looking at the one of the photos of the interior right now, and I just noticed um, it's got two buttons on there. You know, mm-hmm. On the, um, the Alfa Romeos, on the Giulia and the Stelvio, they have the, the start button that's in, like, just below the, the, uh, the, nine, uh, the 9 o'clock spoke, the left-hand spoke on the steering wheel. And they've, they've done the same thing with it. On the, right hand, on the left-hand side is the drive mode button. On the right is a yellow boost button. Uh, which is that boost button, is that the power. same color as the car? Is that where that color is coming like from? It looks like it, yeah. Uh, that's, it, I that think so. On, I think it's the same. Ooh, that color's on the interior seat trim. Look at that. You can see like there's contrast. There's piping yeah, on the, the side of the, the seats. The, it's the, that uh, same stitching. wonky yellowy thing. Yeah. Um, I don't like the yellow thing. <laughs> Yeah. We'll, we'll see if that actually gets into production. <clears throat> the the other thing I'm looking at here, I, I noticed, uh, I'm trying to figure out what the deal is with the, you know, the shifter here. It looks like it's a ball, sort of like a, a glass sphere, <laughs> and then they've got the um, the control oh knob for the infotainment, which uh, you know we were complaining about the the flush mounted rotary controller on the GV80. And you know this one actually has a, a more traditional cylindrical one that sticks yeah. up like a like a BMW iDrive, um, so it's not flush. But I'm trying to figure what out what the, the deal is. What is the little silver? I mean, the little like ball. What is that little other little controller? And your hand's going to hit that all the time uh, if that's a touch sensitive thing. Well, it's it's. I mean, it's the mm-hmm. looks like the the transmission selector, but I'm trying to figure out because you know you've got the reverse neutral drive and park indicators there huh but i'm not quite sure how that's actually supposed to work it's kind of weird looking um it's a little odd we're gonna need to see this in person it's a little hard to to grok what's happening on that center console in these images yeah it's it's definitely um unusual oh Mm -hmm. okay I just looked at the the um, the image that looks like it's from the the back coming from the back seat. So the first image is um, from the uh, looking through the driver's door. The other one is from the the back seat. And now on that one, it looks like it's actually something completely different. It's got um, sort of finger notches in there. It's it's more it's more of a rotary controller, but it looks like something totally different from the other. Yeah, the other, I think there's something uh, about the angle the of these shot. pictures. It's just not showing off what we're actually whatever that is. It's not really coming through. It's no, like a little you know crystal what, you know ball. What I think it is. <laughs> no, you know you know what, you know what it is. <clears throat> these these are Photoshop renderings. Mm-hmm. They're they're renderings. These aren't photos of the car. Some somebody I think somebody. Photoshop something in there, the one that looks like a crystal ball, and they photoshopped in. I think the other one, the 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 rotary one, like looks like when you're looking over the driver's shoulder. Um, yeah, because the is, crystal ball thing really looks like what it, it actually be, looks like. The crystal ball looks like it's a yeah. controller on a spaceship. Like you're just like aliens, just whoo, like that doesn't even look real. Yeah, if it actually looks like, like that, a, I'm going to be amazed. Um, yeah, what what uh, what what is that? Uh, uh, a, fer- a theremin. 
It look, looks a like theremin. You know, a theremin. <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to move your fingers across this thing to shift. Yes. Know, and it's going to detect as you move your hand across this crystal ball. Exactly yeah. what you wanted to do. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Yeah, I think you might be right. Because that first, that, the first image you're looking at where it's like sort of from the driver's side, not from the back seat, at looks like a crystal ball, half a crystal ball on the center yeah. console. <laughs> Watch, that's uh, what it is. We're but, both, we're, uh, the other one is the mistake, but. All right. So I made it, so, I made it, so this, this thing I is, made it red and it looks, it looks less like a Pokemon. Oh, share it. <laughs> okay. Can you share it? Yeah. Okay. I made a red one. Now it looks like a, yeah, now it looks we'll, like a Tesla. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Where, where did you put it? Did you, where did <laughs> you share on, hold it? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to save it. <laughs> Come on. Of course, best I can. We've been stressing about this on our console, and you're like, I'm making it red. (laughs) (laughs) While while, while Robbie's doing this, uh, this is built on the same eGMP um, electric electric vehicle platform as the the new Hyundai Ioniq 5, the Kia EV6, um, and a whole bunch of other upcoming uh, electric vehicles from the Hyundai Motor Group. Um, so it's going to have 300 miles of electric range um, and uh, all kinds of other good stuff. <clears throat> 350 kilowatt fast charging. Uh, oh, you know what? I'm just looking at the release here. It actually says the most noticeable feature in GV60's interior design is the crystal sphere, a sphere-shaped oh shift by wire that intuitively informs drivers when the vehicle is ready to drive. So maybe the crystal it sphere is, a crystal is ball. the right one. Okay. And then the other the other image must be uh, must have been a Photoshop rendering, or you know maybe maybe it was a picture a photo of a different prototype that they photographed. Okay, and just for the record, Robbie's red version of this looks so much better. Like he just put it in. Slack. Oh yeah, absolutely. Look at that. Yeah, this. this now this, it looks beautiful. This looks much more like a Genesis. Yeah, yeah. the color. The color is the wrong color for showcasing this. I don't know why they picked the. This color looks great though. Nice color choice. Did you have to sell your soul for that, Robbie? A little bit. <laughs> I was like, let's make it. Let's make it soul crystal red. <laughs> That looks so much, but it looks like entirely different. That looks elegant in Genesis. Sporty. Yep, definitely. All right. Um, another car that was supposed to be appearing as part of the New York Auto Show, actually uh, made it, it, was supposed to make its appearance a couple of nights before the auto show, um, is the 2023 Nissan Z, um, the production version, which um, is actually was not much of a surprise um, because aside from the absence of the fair lady badge on the, uh, the rear deck lid, this looks exactly like the Z proto that was revealed almost a year ago. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I like it. I, it's I think oh, no, I really like like it. car. I dig it's it. It's fantastic. Yeah. It looks beautiful. It's got all the cool stuff of the old Z's. It's got the stuff from the new Z's. It's, it's a, it, it, you know, it just continues in that design language, but makes sure that it doesn't look just, you know, it doesn't look like an old car. It looks like a new updated uh, really version. Good. It does. Yeah. It, it does remind me of the, the 260Z that my dad owned that I, um, I high centered on a rock, but, um, Oh, yeah. nice. Nicely yeah. done. Yeah. Good work. It's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> you need a Z car high centered on a rock. Be sure to reach out Come to Roberto Robbie. Baldwin. <laughs> I will take care of that for you. 
No, it looks yeah, really so good. Yeah, they, so they, uh, they showed two of them. One was in the same shade of yellow, which is actually stri- strikingly similar to the, the, the yellow that. on the GV60. But it works on this car. Yeah, it works on this car. Yeah, it works on this one. I mean, and this, it's the same shade of yellow that was on the Z Proto. Um, you know, and I said, like I said, aside from the Z Proto had the Fair Lady badge, which is what they call the, the Z in Japan. Um, everything else about this looks exactly the same as the, the concept, um, which, which is good. Um, it, they did provide uh, some more details. Um, it's got, uh, a 400 horsepower twin turbocharged three liter V6, which is basically the same engine they've had in the, the Q60, the Infinity Q60 for a while now, for a couple of years. And, the, and also in the Q50 sedan, um, I have to uh, I have to read these will- colors. Okay, the interior color. There's this one bright blue that's sort of the same blue that's on the outside, and you can get the interior in that blue, and it's absolutely fantastic. It's like this crazy bright blue. So it's blue and black accents, but the names. Okay, Siren S E I R A N blue, and there's a yellow. Wait a minute, Ikazuki yellow. Is that, I just want to order that yellow because I want to say that's what color my car is. Color's your car. Ikazuki. Yellow. Ikazuki. I, I'm probably mangling that, but it looks like Ikazuki. I K A Z U C H I. Ikazuchi. Zuki. Ikazuchi. Ikaz- I'll say that Ikazuchi? too. Ikazuchi yellow. Ooh. What colors? It's not yellow. It's Ikazuchi. Ikazuchi. That makes it sound very fancy. Yeah. I love that. But the blue, that blue interior is unbelievable. Would you say? Yeah, no, that is fantastic. Isn't that cool? you, you don't often see colors like that on the interior. No, of the car. you get it on the outside, um, but the insides never are that pretty. That blue, whew, I like that. Yeah. And it will be available with a manual transmission. Woo-hoo! Boom. Uh, yep. And it will uh, it will retain the, uh, uh, the the rev matching system that debuted on the three seventy Z what about a decade ago, more than a decade ago. Rev you can match. turn that off. Yeah, you can turn it off. Yeah. And it learn. You can learn. Learn. Or not. You don't have to learn. Whatever. <laughs> no. No no information on pricing yet. Um, yeah, so it it's will gonna... be coming out next spring. It, it'll probably be, you know, forty, forty five thousand dollars to start somewhere around there. It'll be the Supra. Um, that's the car it's going up yeah. against. But I I like this design better than the Supra. It's a much cleaner design. Yeah, yeah, I think I like this design better than the Supra. And it's made by one company instead of two. So there's that. (laughs) It's made by, the Supra is made by two companies and then built by a third. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, last item, uh, for this week, uh, before we get into some listener questions, uh, I had a chance to go for a short drive in a Ford F-150, uh, with, uh, a pro- an early version of their Blue Cruise system. Blue Cruise is Ford's hands-free, partially automated driving system, uh, similar to Chevy Super Cruise, um, or GM Super Cruise, and, uh, it, you know, Largely functions in pretty much the same way. It you, it combines your adaptive cruise control with the radar that keeps you safe gap from the vehicle ahead of you, uh, and a lane centering system that keeps you in the lane. Um, and once it's active, you can take your hands off, put them in your lap, uh, do what you will. Anything except cover your face because the infrared camera needs to see your face and your eyes uh, before it'll allow the system to function. Um, yeah. 
Super Cruise came out almost four years ago. And wow. Blue Cruise it will be coming out soon via an over-the-air update to uh, owners of 20, 2021 F-150s and Mustang Mach-E's that uh, have the, the hardware installed. <clears throat> um, and this one actually does slightly, at launch, it'll do slightly less than the original version of Super Cruise did four years ago. Uh, and definitely less have less functionality than what Super Cruise is doing today on vehicles like the uh, the Escalade and the Cadillac CT4, CT5, the upcoming Sierra and Silverado. Um, so there's no automatic lane changing capability. It's just a single lane system. Uh, and one of the one of the neat things I noticed when I first drove Super Cruise back in 2017 was it uses the maps, the high def maps of the highways, to know where curves are coming up. Uh, in the road, and depending on what your speed is, it will it'll look use the cur the maps as a long as a forward looking long range sensor basically. And if if there's a curve in the road that is you're going too fast to get through that curve safely, it'll automatically slow the vehicle down from whatever set speed you have it at as it goes through the curve. And then as you exit the curve, it'll resume what your previous speed was. For some reason. Even though Ford is using high def maps, just like um, like GM, uh, although they're from a different supplier, they're not doing that at launch, uh, which I thought was kind of odd. Um, the other thing that they don't have, uh, they they have the infrared driver monitor system like Super Cruise, but they um, they decided not to do something like the light bar system that GM and some other manufacturers are using, where you have the light bar in the top part of the steering wheel rim that really you know clearly lets you know what mode the system is in whether it's ready for for blue cruise activation or not um it it's only using it's giving you the indicators in the the digital instrument cluster um which i think is is not always as obvious you know when you know what what mode you're in or when when you when the system can activate like super cruise you know it only activates on divided highways it's uh at launch it'll be about 130,000 miles of divided highways across North America. Um, that will eventually grow. Um, you know, they will add more of this functionality over time uh, via over-the-air updates. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's a good start, but GM is still ahead of where Ford is with this system. Um, neither of you have had a chance to try this yet, have you? No, No, I but it, it makes me think of Blue's Clues, so they should really change the name because... <laughs> I mean, Super Cruise is already out there. They had they could have called Blue anything else, but they had to call it Blue Cruise. They might have just yeah. called okay. it Blue Blue Pilot or something. I didn't think of that until you said it. Now I'm going to be able to think of it. It's time for Blue's Cruise. <laughs> do, 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 Blue's Cruise. Do, 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 Blue Cruise. Well, for for what it's worth, GM is suing Ford for copy or for uh, trademark infringement um, because they they say Blue Cruise is too close to Super Cruise. Um, and Ford is fighting back, saying that Cruise is um, is too generic, and uh, they want to invalidate uh, GM's trademarks for Super Cruise as well as for uh, Cruise uh, Cruise Automation, their their uh, division that's building their uh, robo taxis. So we'll see what happens there. Some, It'll be interesting when the GM Bronco comes out. <laughs> 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 what is it? It's the Bronco. Well, do. The Bronco Port. Do, do you remember back um, when the the previous the old Hummers came out and uh, Jeep 
uh, you know, still Daimler Chrysler at the time, they sued uh, GM because the Hummers had a seven slot grill, which was the signature mm-hmm. thing. Did they really? For, uh, for Jeep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, uh, well, they, they, they sued, eventually uh, settled that case. Mahindra? They sued them for that as well, for their little, uh, well, their little Jeep clone. Yeah. Mahindra, Mahindra actually, they changed the grill. So they didn't use the seven slot grill. They had a different grill design. But the rest of the vehicle was a copy of the original military Jeeps. So, yeah, the Willys. Um, it just yeah. looks exactly like a but, Jeep. Uh, You're those, like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. But Mahindra last year, I think, gave up on trying to import that vehicle to uh, to North America. So, all right. Uh, we've got a few listener questions. Um, one uh, came in last week after we recorded the show. Um, it's from uh, the Missing Smaller Car, the, Sm- the Missing Smaller Cars Car Guy for All on Twitter. Uh, he says, uh, have hybrid drivetrains now reached mass acceptance in the consumer mindset um, with uh, vehicles like uh, the Wrangler 4xe, Maverick, um, the uh, Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid, uh, Corolla? Uh, if so, assuming it took since 2001 to get there, will the EV take as long to reach mass acceptance? I don't think so. And I think that's a lot of that has to do with, with regulatory issues. So you're, you're kind of going to start at some point having to buy an EV and that's like 15, 14 years away. If you live in California, if you want a new car. Um, and I think the, but I think, uh, the, it's, it's sort of plugins and then, uh, I'm sorry, hybrids and then plugin hybrids have, are going to allow people to, to, uh, to accept EVs a little bit quicker than they did with the hybrids. I think, I think that's, I think there was this, this whole, this whole like sort of, Oh, hybrids, ew, these are gross cars. They're not going to be that great. And then, um, you know, and that was around the same time that the idea of a, an electric car was, oh, it's just going to be a really, really crappy, slow vehicle. And I think Tesla sort of, dim, you know, destroyed that myth uh, relative, well, pun intended, quickly. Um, and so, you know, you have Panamera's out, you have ETGT, you know, Etron GTs, you have the Hummer EV coming out. I think it's, I think mass acceptance is going to be a little bit, is going to be much quicker than, than what it was with, with hybrids. Yeah, I think people already, like, when the hybrid and EV thing, they were both sort of new together and kind of almost lumped together in most consumers' head. They were electric things that didn't use just a gas engine. And then, okay, wait, everything has a hybrid. Oh, wait, there's so many EVs. And Tesla in particular, like you said, they did so much for making EVs just like, I see Teslas all the time. They're just another car. You know, Mm -hmm. very, very quickly they went from being something unique and special to just, they're another car. And what's going to take time is just for people to say, okay, I'm going to buy one, I'm going to get a charger, I'm going to live the EV lifestyle. You know, it's, but I think in terms of people saying, yeah, 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 sure, they're just fine. I could handle one. I think they're there. It's just a matter of when are they going to actually ditch their gas engine for an EV. Yeah. I think it's the, oh, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, in terms of mainstream acceptance, I think it will happen a little faster. I think, you know, it's important to keep in mind that, you know, we're actually what, 11 years into the EV era now or more. I mean, if, if you count the Tesla, the original Tesla Roadster, um, you know, 13 years, you know, that came out. The first customer wow. deliveries were in 2008 and the Was Nissan really Leaf 13 years uh, started ago? delivering. Like the... and, wow. Yeah. And and the Leaf, you know, started hitting customers in in late 2010. Uh, so we're almost 11 years into the Leaf era. So you know, we're still you know a few years I think from really mainstream adoption of EVs. You know, it's prob- you know probably in the next 
three, four, or five years. You know, I would say probably consider it mainstream. So it'll be a little quicker than hybrids, but uh, you know, not not too far off the a similar timeline. Yeah. I think, it's I think it'll take time to park them in their driveways just because it'll take a little time for that switch to happen. But I think mentally people are much more accepting of them already. Like people have bought into the idea of them. Yeah. And plus people have that, yeah. you know, we, the, the average American is what, 2.1 or 2.2 cars. So I think the EV is going to be the second car initially. It's going to be the car. Oh, we're just going to drive us around town. We got an EV. We want to feel better about the environment. We want to do. And they're going to drive that car. And then that's going to be the main car. And then their gas or their plug-in hybrid or their hybrid is going to be the car they use for like longer trips. Right. But the I backup. Think the backup. But I think the, the the car that they mostly drive will probably end up being the EV, just because once you drive it, you're like, oh, this is so much fun. This is way funner than my gas vehicle. Way funner. Why, why am I way funner? <laughs> this is way, way funner. funner than my gas vehicle. Why why aren't I driving this all the time? And then. They'll realize, like, oh, 90% of the time I don't go more than, you know, 20 miles a day or whatever. Way funner. All right. Uh, from, funner. From, from AJ, uh, he's, uh, he says, uh, not exactly a question, but it would be a nice resource if a web, website listed make, model, current supply, and the retail channel, normal days of supply, uh, will probably help a lot of folks to make informed decisions. Um, so Nicole and I were talking about this one uh, earlier. Um, automotive news actually does list days of supply for every model, um, in, in their, uh, uh, through their website. It does, it does require a subscription. Um, uh, but that's based on national numbers. You know, companies like Cox Automotive also track this stuff cause they do a lot of, a lot of their business units deal with dealers. Um, but Pretty much every car dealer now, every, you know, certainly new car dealers, um, on their websites, they actually have listings of their inventory, and they'll, right. you can go to the website for your, you know, any local car dealer and see exactly what they have in stock, or these days more likely what they don't have in stock. <laughs> um, and you, so you can you can shop through there and filter, you know, by color and by model and you know transmission and engine so you can see exactly what's available and, and uh, you know there's also sites like uh, auto trader um, that you know you can search uh, do a search you know for for new vehicles or kbb i think you can search for new vehicles uh, and see you know search for a vehicle and it'll show you know give it a, a range you know like within 50 miles within 100 miles 200 miles and it'll show you the inventory that's available. So yeah. there, there are a number of places where you can find this kind of stuff. Not, not by day, They won't list it by days of supply. Right. But the challenge would be, too, even if they're saying, okay, there's X days of supply of the Jeep Wrangler. Okay, but you don't know where those Jeep Wranglers are going. They could all be going to the West Coast and you live in New Jersey. They could all be going to Florida yeah, and yeah. you live in California. To, to figure out where the, the days of supply just says what they've got. It doesn't necessarily say what, where those are allocated or even if they're allocated in your area, which dealer they're allocated to. So it's it's if you go to the dealer's website near you, the ones that you want to that you're thinking of, you know, okay, this is the car I want. 
you can see what they have. But I, we just got a new car and it was when I talked to them about it, they were able to tell me what they had coming in for like the next month and a half. Like they knew exactly what was coming. So they can tell you like, okay, we have this many and this is how they're configured and this is what's coming. So if you have a really specific need, a decent dealer should be able to say, you don't have a snowball's chance of getting that anywhere or no, yeah, yeah, you can get it. We've got them coming. You just got to wait a little bit. Yeah. Or you have to just order it and just wait or for order it, whatever yeah. long that takes depending on the vehicle and chip exactly. supply and microchip semiconductor How supplies chips do we have oh this car has got a lot of microchips so, and buddy that, and that <laughs> and that and that's a problem we're probably going to have for a while yet probably well into next year unfortunately mm-hmm. all right last question uh from sean david o'connor uh, says i'm looking for advice for a car for my parents my retired parents currently split their time between a house in South Florida and a condo in, Sh- in the Chicagoland area uh, to be close to my sister, her husband, and kids. They bought a 2018 RAV4 a few years ago to replace my mom's 2008 Camry Hybrid when the battery became degraded. They have been driving that back and forth from Florida il- to Illinois, but would like to keep the RAV4 in Illinois and fly to Florida going forward. Sometime this winter, they would like to get another car for Florida in addition to my dad's 2010 Camry, which has about 80,000 miles. I think this would be a good opportunity for them to get an EV since a lot of their trips will be short enough to not worry about range anxiety and they'll have the Camry for longer trips if necessary. Of the current crop of EVs like the Hyundai Ioniq and Nissan Leaf on the low end, the Kia Niro, VW ID4, and Mustang Mach-E on the higher end, and the upcoming Ioniq 5, Kia EV6 both, looking, both look interesting as well. Do you have any, some other suggestions or caveats to add uh, to any of my suggestions? Let's see, a Kia Nero. I know, I'm trying to read through uh, the whole thing again. Uh, I'm like, that is a lot of information to parse. So the, I would, uh, above the Hyundai yeah. Ioniq, I would look at the Hyundai, uh, the Kona Electric, um, mm-hmm. the one that just got recalled yep. <laughs> last year. Yeah. But I really like the Kona Electric But they've a got lot. new batteries in them. they got new batteries in them. Um, the Kona Electric's a great, it's a, it's a great vehicle. Um, as you get older, it's a lot tougher to get into a sedan. That's why, you know, as... as there's a lot of reasons why more and more people buy SUVs, but one of them is it's the you know the ability to get in and out of the vehicle without having to to sort of stoop down like you do with a sedan or a hatchback. Um, you know, I think a, a, a small uh, SUV or a compact SUV or a crossover or whatever you want to call it uh, might be a, a good choice. And I'm I'm going to say the 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 Hyundai Electric, the ID4. I really like the ID4, um, except for that the latency that's. It's in the uh, infotainment system, but I think they're hopefully fixing that uh, with an over-and-air update. The Mach-E is great, but it's probably a little bit too much of a too much too much car. It's it's more of of those vehicles. It's more like hey, it's a Mustang. You know, they're trying. Yeah, you're getting. I agree. I don't think the I think like the Mustangs. I like I like the Mustang. The Mach-E might be my favorite of those little three that are listed there for that. But I'm like I don't think that's necessarily what your parents are looking for they're retired i don't know that hey maybe your dad's like all about that in which case like have at it but i think um yeah i i I do think like an suv though it's a lot easier for people to get into like the nissan leaf is great it's a good compact little car but it's it's also very small and again retired folks it's small it's low it's tight that's not always easy to get in and out of so in terms of accessibility going with something that's an suv crossover ish thing is going to be a little bit easier for older parents to to deal with yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that uh, Robbie's suggestion of the uh, the Kona EV, uh, in addition to the Nero, I think are are both excellent choices. I think, and and also the the ID4, all of those um, 
you know, they have that nice balance of a higher, what they call H point, the hip point. You know, so you, you're not dropping down into the seat. You, you, know, you can basically just get slide in and get into the seat. But unlike more traditional SUVs, you also don't have to step up into them. So I think they're mm-hmm. just at the right height for most people to really be comfortable. Um, you know, so I think I think any of those are are really good choices. The Ionic Five, uh, you know, depending on what the timing is, uh, you know, the Ionic Five is going to be out sometime later this fall, um, and uh, the EV6. They might start some deliveries before the end of the year, but most likely, probably not till most of them probably won't be available till January, February. Um, and you know, of of what's going to be available this winter, assuming anything is available because yeah. of that <laughs> aforementioned chip shortage, yeah. uh, those the the ones the ones here that are listed here plus the the Kona. Uh, I think are all really excellent choices, and you know you, you're not going to go wrong with any of those. Um, you know, one other one to, to consider is uh, the Chevy Bolt EUV, um, you know, which is the slightly longer version of the Bolt. Um, it, you know, it, it also has you know kind of that slightly higher seating position than a traditional car. Maybe not quite as much as the ID4 um, or or the Mach E or the Nero. But, uh, you know, it, it's another one to take a look at once, of course, once they've got all the batteries replaced um, and they start selling them again. Um, and then, you know, if you want something, you know, completely off the wall, there's always the, uh, uh, the Hummer. <laughs> you always get the Hummer. You make, the, make mom and pa proud. Yeah. Um, I, my, my, my one but, issue with the, the Bolt, both the EUV and, the e, and just the regular Bolt, is that they only charge at 55 kilowatts. <laughs> That's their. That's their because they're using that old point. architecture, and I, the Colt, oh, the Bolt, yeah. the the ID four is one twenty five, and I think the Kona is a hundred, and then anything else new coming from Hyundai is like three fifty, some ridiculous, <laughs> crazy high because they're using the eight hundred volt system. So it, you know, if if your parents are a little, well, they're probably. Uh, they're, they're probably going to be charging at home. They're prob- it sounds like they're going to be charging at home. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're probably not going to be using DC fast charging very much. And, you know, the other advantage, because this would be their Florida car, uh, you know, they're not going to be impacted by cold weather. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, the range problem, you know, the range reduction in cold weather. So, you know, really any of these are, are going to be great for anybody living in Florida. Yeah. I think it's, they're, they're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. They'll be fine. You can get crazy, crazy cheap uh, lease deals on uh, bolts uh, every <laughs> once in a while from Costco. If you're a Costco member, at Cos- one- oh, I've heard that that's the bet. <laughs> like Costco occasionally offers the most amaze balls deals on things. So yeah, you can get like the a, first person I've heard that from. You can get some crazy lease uh, um, leases on the bolt. Um, I know Costco also. I saw the other day that they also work with like Audi. So I'm I'm assuming maybe possibly. Potentially, maybe the because it's Audi's part of the Volkswagen Group. Maybe they'll have an ID4 thing. So if they're Costco memberships, uh, keep an eye out for for that. And um, I think sometime this fall, Audi's also going to be launching the Q4 e-tron, oh, yeah. which is basically this. You know, it's the same thing as the ID4, but with a, a fancier body, nicer interior. You know, more Audi-like interior. So if they want something a little more premium feeling, although. I'm guessing, you know, based on the fact that they've got RAV4s and Camrys, they're probably not that 
necessarily that interested in a more premium vehicle. In the luxury, but yeah. um, you know, if they if they if they did want to splurge, uh, you know, the Q4 e-tron when it comes out might be another interesting choice. Yeah, it's gonna be fancy. All right. Wait, we have one more question that Any, I'm gonna uh, answer. Oh wait, we got we got. Okay, you missed question. a question. So my middle name did is I? Nuisance is apparently following me on Twitter and oh, noticed that I was right, sitting I by a fire pit in my backyard um, drinking whiskey with Luxardo cherries in it because Luxardo, Luxardo cherries are amazing. And I just felt like sticking a fork in the jar would have been sort of gauche. So I made myself a whiskey. And he said, Nicole has the most excellent taste in cherries, but what kind of whiskey did she drink? So I'm going to answer his question. I was in Western Massachusetts with a friend and I went to a place called the Berkshire Mountain Distillers. And it is the Berkshire bourbon whiskey, but is the maple bourbon whiskey that is finished in bourbon aged maple syrup casks. So that is what I was sipping in the fire pit in the picture that I shared on Twitter the other day. That sounds fancy. It's very fancy whiskey. I'm a whiskey girl. So this was my fancy, yeah, maple bourbon whiskey that I was sipping with my redonkulously overpriced Luxardo cherry in the bottom because they're really, really good. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not gauche. If I I take a sat there with a fork and eat them out of the jar, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that's all we've got for this week. Um, any final thoughts? No, that's it for me. I got nothing. All right. All right. We will talk to you next time. Bye. 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 Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.